We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Rock Pal Report podcast. I'm your host, Bill, season ticket holder, Drew Gear. And I'm coming to you live from the basement, from the basement bar. We're sitting here. I'm trying to get the levels correct because everyone will freak out if I'm, you know, you all love hearing me, right? You like it when I go hot in the mic. This production business is, uh, it's a mess. But I'll tell you, we're here. We've made it. We're week 14. I hope you guys all enjoyed your bye week. What did you all do? Huh? As I'm sitting down here in my basement bar, Got all the podcasting equipment. I've got the pod track out. I've got a little, uh, we've got everything going. How did you all spend your bye week? Me, I got the hell out of Dodge. I barely watched any football. Um, I took the ch- I took my children to Toronto to go see the aquarium. It was really cathartic to not watch football, or at least not to watch most football over the course of a Sunday. It was nice to have, and you know, obviously, Alabama won on Saturday, which is nice. I got to see the second half, which I think was the... <laughs> I missed, in real time, I missed the best half of football Nick Saban's called, maybe in his career, apparently. Um, here's what I love about this. Everybody chooses what to do with their time. You know, what do you do on the bye week? And There's people who say, oh, no, no, I can watch football with no consequence, and it's fine. I had to unplug. The way this Bills season is gone, I had to step back and I had to just try to decompress. And I had a great weekend with my children. And I want to say one of the best parts of the entire weekend, obviously my kids going nuts at the aquarium when they see sharks is amazing. But it was hitting the duty free on the way back and picking up a case, a 2-4 as they call it, of Alexander Keith's India Pale Ale. Now, as I pop one here, as I pop one of these bad boys, it is one of the most delicious beers I've ever had in my entire life. It's smooth. It gives you the IPA taste without a ton of hoppiness. It's not some craft beer that some guy with a long, overly manicured beard is trying to convince you is drinkable. It's like, look, I know what a good beer should be. You don't have to sell me on it. And if you do, you're trying too fucking hard. Stop it. This is an amazing beer. It's hyper drinkable. So obviously I had to come on with a case and some change of uh, Alexander Keith. And I got to tell you, Ben Kerr and the boys, I, the Molson Dry is obviously, you know, my heart's with the Molson Dry. But man, is this, you guys have really turned me on to this. You guys up north know how to do this whole beer thing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So as I have my bottle here in front of me and I pour myself a little bit of whiskey in a glass, it welcome... To our week 14 preview, the Buffalo Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs. The time, 425 p.m. Eastern Standard. The place, Arrowhead Stadium, Kansas City, Missouri. The weather, mostly sunny, 42 degrees without any wind, which is, I think, perfect conditions for a passing game. The line, the Bills are two and a half point underdogs, which I think is interesting because Usually you get three for being the home team, which I think is an indictment of one, the Chiefs most recent offensive performance against Green Bay. And two, the fact that the Bills just put on an absolute show, an absolute show, even though they didn't come out with the victory against the Philadelphia Eagles. When you take a look at the crew, it's Carl Sheffers, which I find really interesting for a couple of reasons. First of all, Carl is last in the NFL in number of penalties called. He's got a pretty even spread of calls. You know, if you look at home versus away, he's he's got the it's the most even, right? Like 60 for the home team or 60 against the away team, 56 against the home team. So he's not biased. And when you looked at th- when I look at things like offensive holding, he has the third fewest yards called for offensive holding in the entire league. This guy strikes me as a let him play kind of referee if I've ever seen one. I just don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for the Buffalo Bills this week. I don't know. Like, in theory, they should be allowed to just play. But in today's NFL, who knows? That's a pipe dream. On the call, we get CBS's A squad, Romo, Nance, And it's kind of funny when you look at the way the coverage map breaks down over the course of the day. (laughs) So you look at the CBS early games. Everybody who's like, man, I'm just waiting. I'm trying to settle in. I'm watching this. uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm watching this football. I'm trying to, you know, get primed for Bills and for Chiefs. Everyone in the entire country outside of Texas, a part of Louisiana and a little bit of like New England ends up with Jacksonville at Cleveland. Like what did the what did what did the country do? What did we do to deserve this? Like Houston and Jets is in Texan Texas, it's New England, and then it's like like Vermont, a part of Boston, uh New York City, New Jersey. Like that, that's that's a mess. Those are your two biggest games. And then a few people get Tampa Bay, Atlanta, and Indy Cincy. The CBS late window, obviously, Buffalo dominates the entire country except for Denver, Nebraska, and Utah, which I don't even know. What's out there? Like the population density of those places. If you ever see those lights, it's those light maps. It's wild. Where they're like, hey, look at all the ambient light from these cities across the U. And you get like anywhere west of Missouri and it just starts. To, it just starts to become a black hole. Of civilization who's watching this it's like if a football game happens and both teams happen to suck but it happens in denver and nebraska did it actually happen at all <laughs> meanwhile fox is just like like for as broad as the cbs windows are the fox windows look like a jackson pollock it's a smattering of games none of which matter to the buffalo bills I don't think anybody who's listening to this podcast gives a damn about any of the games that are happening over there. Seattle, San Francisco, Minnesota, Vegas, like no, nothing that's going on on Fox has any bearing with the Buffalo Bills. And the Fox only have the Fox only has the single window. So everyone in the country is going to be watching Buffalo at Kansas City. Now, when you take a look at the injuries, the Bills came out of that gut-wrenching loss to the Eagles without any significant injuries. And kind of had a week to get healthier, to get some guys back. You know, Tyler Rapp is practicing in full again, which is amazing considering he left in, 
I believe he was another one who was hot, who was ambulanced off the field. That's our second one of the season, our third in two years. Like, at some point, this shit has to stop. Uh, We're also seeing the return of Kyrie Elam and Dawson Knox, whose practice windows have been opened. They're practicing in full. A part of me thinks they'll probably be activated for this weekend's game. As we're going to talk about later, if they fucking let Dawson Knox cut into the season that Dalton Kincaid is having or affect his role in any way, shape, or form, we riot. It's that simple. We riot. For Kansas City, things are a lot murkier. Uh, the, you know, Obviously, there's the big name, Brian Cook. We all saw him. Luckily, he didn't break his ankle rolling it, but he's probably not going to play this weekend. Donovan Smith, big injury for the continuity of the offensive line. He's a better run blocker than he is a pass protector, which if, depending on the way this game should go, I don't know. I think you'd want the guy who has the latter skill set, but that's just me. That's just me. Patrick Mahomes listed probably a precaution given the way the Cincy situation ruled out. Like if your quarterback has a has a toothache, you better put him on the fucking injury report. Or the NFL will crack down on you if later you go, oh well, look, he has a concussion now, and they say, well, we saw him; he was rubbing his jaw before the game. I I kid. Obviously, Cincy was hiding something, and they're probably going to pay a price for that. Isaiah Pacheco's injury is interesting to me. A shoulder injury, not participating. I wonder, did he hurt himself trying to throw that stupid punch on the field? (laughs) Why the fuck are you trying to fight a guy who has a helmet on? Do you know that they did that shit back in the Coliseum era? And even then it was called stupid. To try to punch another man whose skull is wrapped in armor. Great idea, moron. Like, what... What happens, like, think about this. You punch a guy in the helmet as a football player. You break your hand. You're a ball carrier. What the fuck are you, what are you worth now to your team? If I'm Andy Reid, I have to pull him aside and go, do you know that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen or heard of? (laughs) You have one value to me. It's your ability to run and hold on to the football. If you can't do that, you're like tits on a bull now. I don't need you. It's interesting, and and I guess as you kind of go down the list, I mean, there's Drew Tranquil, who it's kind of a scary, a scary concussion that he got in that game. I mean, the, their injury list is like all of these guys listed play a pretty significant role for the team. So it's going to be interesting to see how they flesh this thing out. Although they could be getting reinforcements with Nick Bolton coming back, and that could help with some of the problems we're about to talk about for the Chiefs. It's the Bills, you know, the Chiefs have injuries. The Bills are about as healthy as you could ask them to be coming off their bye. And that's a good thing because we once again have to go in and play the Chiefs in Arrowhead. It's crazy. Mahomes has just one game within the confines of our stadium in his career thus far. Allen has played four games in Kansas City with one fewer year of service in the NFL than Patrick Mahomes. That's frustrating, isn't it? And as we step in there to do the you know, to do battle, we're going up against a Chiefs team that is similarly just as desperate as we are. The Chiefs right now are eight and four. They are one loss away from tying their largest loss total while having Reed and Mahomes both as a part of their franchise. They're they're quickly losing hope of that one seed. Which is impactful because the Chiefs have never had to travel for a playoff game under Reed and Mahomes. Kansas City has never had to play a road game in the NFL postseason at all. That's a wild thing to think about. They have Patrick Mahomes, if you Google it, go to StatMuse. He's 1-1 one one in road playoff games. Both of, both of them were Super Bowls. That's it. Everything has flowed through Arrowhead for their entire careers. It's almost a lot like the Patriots back in the day when they had their dynasty. And how every time, if you could get them to have to travel somewhere, it never went well. Right? Like, that's when the upset would happen. I, they, they, they're painfully aware of this. 
they know that it's been to their benefit that they get to be the home team in all of these games. I know, real tough times right now in Kansas City. And if you listen, you can maybe hear the smallest violin playing the saddest song ever written on their behalf. Meanwhile, the Bills must have this game if they think they're making the playoffs in 2023. Both teams have to be at their most desperate. And the fireworks that that dynamic is going to produce could give us another NFL game of the year. Wouldn't it be nice to win one of these for a change? So the question is, how's that work? How might the Buffalo Bills exploit some of the things that have gone wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs this year in a game that will ultimately become a referendum on their entire 2023 NFL season and the staff's ability to dig deep when their back is against the wall? Like, this is it. It's put up or shut up time. There's There's nothing else left. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com And so if we're taking a look at the Kansas City Chiefs ahead of this game, I want to start by talking about their offense. For the first time in years, it's not incorrect to say that the Chiefs' offense is underperforming. Like, every single game the Chiefs have been involved in was a tight one for at least the last month, short of games against the basement of the AFC West. The Chiefs lost week one in this wild one-point game against Detroit and then went on a six-game win streak, and everyone kind of just like said, okay, there it is. There's the Chiefs I know. They're back. We don't, you know, they're they're back on top. They have their shit together. Everything's gonna be fine, okay. And that's when, you know, even as it's going on, KC fans get to watch some really troubling trends emerge with their football team. Five of their first seven games were one score affairs, right? This is a team that's used to boat racing everybody that they play, and yet. Five of their seven games, they won by a single score, and it usually was late. You know, they had a few blowouts, and those came against teams that we now understand are just poorly constructed rosters with bad coaching in both the Bears and the Chargers. You know, they have that 17-point win over the 17-point game against Jacksonville, where Jacksonville is still in it in the fourth quarter, but they never score an offensive touchdown in that game. Those aren't things you're used to seeing happen against the Kansas City Chiefs. Then in week eight, Mahomes gets sick. And they have this blowout loss to the Broncos that, I don't know, it kickstarts a run for Denver for sure. All of a sudden, they're in the playoff conversation. So thanks a lot, fucking Chiefs. Obviously, that's an outlier of a game. As soon as Mahomes gets some electrolytes, you know, maybe hangs out with his, well, I shouldn't say maybe hangs out with his wife for a little bit because if I had to hang out with her, like, I'd want to travel every single week. I'd want to be out of town for football. I, 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 like, I have to imagine their marriage is a lot like Giselle and Tom Brady's where he's just like, thank God. Thank God I travel as much as I do. (laughs) Jesus. So, You look at that, and this was supposed to be an outlier performance, this weird, fluky loss. 
except that it hasn't been. The Chiefs are two and three since beating the Chargers in Week Seven. I think the most they haven't strung two wins together during that span. The most problematic stat is their aggregate scoring. It just disappears for wild stretches of games. Like I think it's, I heard during the Sunday Night Football broadcast that they're averaging five points in the second half of football games. Averaging five points in the second half of football games over the last like month and a half. That's a fucking problem for a team with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes and a team with an offensive head coach like Andy Reid. That's unacceptable. And, you know, there's EJ Snyder from the bootleg football podcast, who's a Bears fan. We've been talking for a while about the fact that the Chiefs have let go Eric Bieniemy. You know, he was a problem. He was fighting with the quarterback. He was doing all these things. Well, right now he has Sam Howell. You know, say what you want about the way the rest of the team is playing. He has a uh, mid-round draft pick in Sam Howell playing pretty good quarterback right now. For but by NFL standards, Sam Howell is doing a pretty good job. And meanwhile, they've brought in Matt Nagy. Is anyone shocked that the guy who was brought into to Chicago to kind of fix things and get the most out of uh, Jefferson? or Justin uh, Fields. Is anyone shocked that that guy's offense is all of a sudden struggling and that his offensive designs and concepts and thoughts are tanking the offense of one of the league's most consistent offensive teams? I and it's I almost want to play it again. In fact, I'm gonna. We feel so bad for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> These are all self-inflicted wounds. So you go back and you look at some of these games. The second half against the Eagles, they have four punts and a fumble before turning it over on downs. And all four punt drives were less than seven plays, earned less than 25 yards. In the first half against the Raiders, they started the game with back-to-back punts, had less than three minutes of time of possession. They went down 14-0. Like, all of their punts for the game were on drives of three or four plays. They had a lot of these. They're lucky that the Raiders don't have a better offense or else they might have been able to bury the Chiefs early enough that they couldn't climb out of that hole. And then you look at the second half against the Packers. Game on the line, trailing by just one point. Three straight drives of under a minute and ten seconds. Three plays in a punt, two plays in an interception, and then... You know, after Green Bay kicked a field goal, like that interception comes after Green Bay kicks a field goal to go up by four and now puts a little more pressure on the Chiefs. Pressures Mahomes to go find points, immediately turns the ball over. Now, it's easy to say that they've been struggling because their playmakers aren't good or that Matt Nagy sucks. Both are kind of an oversimplification. Rasheed Rice has all the tools to be a solid NFL wide receiver, and I expect him to make an impact in this game. Kelsey is still one of the best tight ends in football, despite the fact that I saw on Twitter the other day that Taysom Hill has more points in fantasy this year than Travis Kelsey does. And Isaiah Pacheco is a fantastic running back. In fact, the running game for Kansas City was the best it's been all season against the Packers. And therein might be the rub. The Kansas City Chiefs are a team that with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey at the height of his physical abilities and just with the makeup of the roster, when those two guys were out there together on the field, they were almost unstoppable for four straight quarters. You had to commit so many resources to trying to contain both of them. And the second, as Bills fans know, the second you get soft and you start giving them zones or you playing you play off coverage and you say, hey, we're not going to shade. We're just going to play straight up this prevent style of football or, hey, we're going to back off a little bit. Those two together had the ability that Mahomes could find one of them for an explosive play somewhere on the field. Those days are over. And now the running backs have actually been the thing giving the offense its most product like its most consistent production. 
And I guess it's the thing that we, like, we talked over the offseason about the Jets bringing in Delvin Cook. And this idea that, hey, anything you want to do to take the ball out of Brees, Brees Hall's hands, good for, good for you. Do that for me. You're actually helping me. Well, here's the thing. If the most consistent part of your offense is giving the ball to your running backs, it's the thing you can trust the most to do damage, I've already kind of won. Because I can force more negative plays against the run than I can against trying to defend guys like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Except you guys don't have those. So now you've got a weaker support staff who is easier to take away and you've had to turn to the running backs who, I'm not going to lie, the days of running backs dominating and winning a football game single-handedly, I think they died with Adrian Peterson. Taylor. You know, Taylor for the the Colts, he might be, you know, it was Saquon Barkley a few years ago, but he's even finished. Taylor might be the last one. Ask yourself right now as you're listening to this podcast, what NFL running back can win you a game on his own? There's the problem. Everything else is a dice roll from one week to the next for the Chiefs on offense. And teams are figuring out that what they really just need to do is make life hard on Travis Kelsey because nobody else is stepping up around him. The, those failed drives, here's an example of that, against Green Bay. On every single one of them, the passing targets were Richie James, Marvis Valdez-Scanling, and Sky Moore. Those three are involved in a ton of Kansas City's failed drives over the last month. When you look at the like the analytics, they tell you the story of a player who should be good. Sky Moore is top 20 in the NFL for separation. V- Veldez Scantling is sixth in the NFL in expected yards after the catch per reception. Those are great theoretical indicators of performance, showing that they're getting open just like the coaches envisioned they would, just like they're doing it on a whiteboard. They're saying, look, this guy is expected to take the lid off most defenses. This guy is getting open all over the football field, right? It's the reason that you drafted Sky Moore with a second-round pick and gave Veldez Scantling a free agent contract. The reality, though, Veldez Scantling is 60th in the NFL in actual yards after the catch per reception. Sky Moore is 163rd among all qualifying wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs for catch percentage. That's fucking wild. 163rd. (laughs) There is 162 players in the NFL who do a better job catching the football than Sky Moore. Excuse me while I sip a little bit of whiskey to that one, because holy shit. And people want to get on Brandon Bean for his drafting. Woof. They are the epitome of high-variance, low-percentage players. They do half the job of being a true NFL weapon, just not the important piece. And what that does is it shrinks Patrick Mahomes' margin for error even more than it already has been with the loss of some of the better skill position players that they've had over the years. So now he's got to try to figure out how to keep getting Kelsey involved while defenses specifically take him away and force Mahomes to either hit Kelsey early, in which case, like, against Green Bay, he had two catches that went nowhere for no yards. The rest of his catches were all, you know, I think he had one for 21, one for 27, and that's cool, but he got almost no yards after the catch on those. It was like, hey, I'm going to hit you for 10 yards, you're going to fall forward for four more. Okay, cool, we got a first down. But that's it. The days of... Travis Kelsey up the seam splitting safeties because they they have no choice but to play deep quarters coverage or deep zone because of Tyreek Hill. Those are over. There is nothing scaring defenders out of the box against Kansas City. Now they're forced to live in this world of, hey, we're going to run and then we're going to dink and we're going to dunk and we're going we're gonna to play the in the middle zone. We're going to go 10 to 15 yards if we're going to throw it. But at the same time, there is no big play. Rasheed Rice is capable, but he's still a rookie. Like, it's crazy. And and you see it in the numbers. The, the explosive plays haven't been there. 
Buffalo's offense has stunk on ice for giant chunks of the season. We've played some of the most unwatchable offensive performances. That, like, when you think about what our offense should be anyway. We are somehow ranked 10 spots higher. 10 spots higher than Kansas City in 40-yard plays. And they're tied with us for 20-yard plays with 35. Their running backs are suddenly more reliable than the vast majority of their pass catchers. That's including at catching the football. Kansas City's not a bad football team. Because you don't win eight games being bad at this thing. The problem is, is that outside of the quarterback position, and maybe a few bright spots on the offensive line, <clears throat> there's nothing special about this Kansas City team, this roster, and now injuries are diluting that pool even further, and it's just really interesting to me that we're here catching them at this point, where they're backed into a corner and they're desperate, but at the same time, these problems, these statistics, they don't just fall out of the sky, and you don't just fix them overnight. They're a problem. <laughs> They're going to be a persistent problem. And I guarantee you, you are going to see some inexplicable. You know, if, if, if you guys are watching this game expecting to see the Chiefs of old, when you go up oh, against us, they'll get a get right game. I struggle to find it. I think that their best bet is playing strong defense. I think that the Chiefs best bet at winning this game is keeping the Bills under 22 points because of the way their offense has played, because of the type of athletes we have on defense, like I just for a, for a number of reasons. I think that the offense, I think we're you're going it's going to be one of those games where it starts. And after the first quarter you're going to look around and go, "I'm shocked that there's not more points scored." I think both teams are going to have a really tough time moving the ball early. It's going to be whoever makes the best in-game adjustments. Now, some of that's going to be because of the Chiefs' defense. Steve Spagnuolo has proven he has game plans for Josh Allen. When it comes to playing Josh Allen, yes, we've put up some impressive point totals. And yes, Josh Allen has had a lot of success recently against him. He's also forced turnovers. He has also forced a lot of negative plays. He's done his job as a coordinator, which is putting his defense in a position with timely play calling and smart personnel usage to win more than they lose. At the same time, I have to question that aspect of the Chiefs too. If the offense is behind the eight ball by nature of their roster construction and execution, then the defense is just like... Like, we can blame the way these games have gone and the way the Chiefs have lost some of these games. You can point to the offense and go, you didn't score enough points. Boo! Boo these people! But don't leave the defense out of that because they're actively trying to leave shit out for them to trip over and knock their teeth out like they're hairy in the movie Home Alone. <laughs> Maybe that's a little dramatic, but the defense is not giving the offense a whole lot of help here lately. One of the bigger problems on this side of the ball for Kansas City shows up in the box scores of every single one of their losses this season. Lacking possessions for their offense and their MVP quarterback. Against Green Bay, the Chiefs only had seven possessions. If you want to put that into a little bit of perspective, even when the Bills' offense has been at its worst, think about the Giants game, which I stormed out of before. Like Basically, I was already leaving before halftime. The Jaguars game, where I decided I'd rather just make everyone cocktails than watch any more of this bullshit. The fewest that the Bills have had was nine. And they're averaging 11.2 possessions per game on offense. If you take out the play that they, the Chiefs ran, the one play that they got before the half expired, the Chiefs scored points on four of their opening possessions. Two touchdowns, two field goals. That is solid NFL production. That at least half of... Think about what the Bears would give to score on each one of their opening possessions of most games. But that wasn't enough to come away with a win. Because it's hard to be perfect in the NFL. Mistakes get made. 
drives inevitably just get away from you. Defenders make plays because they get paid too. The Kansas City defense not only forced just two punts from Green Bay in the entire game, but late in the game when Kansas City was trying to overcome the the three touchdowns given up by the defense, every mistake they made was magnified by how infrequently they had gotten the ball over the course of the game. That leads to pressing, it leads to poor decisions, and ultimately, it leads to losses. A few of the drivers of this, when you look back at some of these losses, right, or even some of the just recent games, against Philadelphia, they had 14 pressures and five sacks. Against the Raiders, 17 total quarterback pressures, one sack, three quarterback hits. Against Green Bay, 23 individual pressures, three sacks, two quarterback hits. You might hear that and assume that everything's going really well, right? Against the Blitz, Jordan Love completed 75% of his throws for 97 yards and the go-ahead touchdown. I actually had a parlay going in this game that would have hit if Love had more than more than 19 rushing yards, and it fell short. I know that the Chiefs love to send pressure and that they love to try to pressure opposing quarterbacks. So I assume that this was a no-brainer because Love is an athletic quarterback. What I didn't realize is that Love wasn't going to have to scramble in this game. The blitzes Kansas City sent were too slow to get to him. And without the blitz getting home, Love routinely found targets open to keep moving the chains against their defense, especially using play-action passing. Love was almost perfect off play action it's crazy the more you watch the more a lot of those pressures they got like the ones that they got credited for are what you would call a late pressure i read an article this week diving into these issues and some of them don't sound fixable as far as what's causing this now you look at george Karloftis. they drafted him i believe in this either tail end of the first round or the second round This guy has run out of pass rush moves. Teams have picked up on it. Now all he has is a bull rush, and he's just trying to beat you with power. Which, if you're going up against a tackle like Spencer Brown, you're going to have a really, really hard time with. The players that have always given him fits had speed and finesse. You can't just bully Spencer Brown, especially not this season. Chris Jones, still a prolific pass rusher. But his usage is almost like Steve Spagnuolo is trying to paper over the weakness of everybody else by using Chris Jones oddly. You know, Love's third touchdown pass on Sunday. They called this weird blitz that had Jones looping around the formation to blitz through the backside A-gap. Except the guys in front of him didn't make a hole. He was too slow to pull that far and get home. Like, Jordan Love had all day to stand there and find a guy in a post route. I think he threw, he had like two or three hitches, and then he finally threw the ball. It was just poor play design, given the skill sets of everybody involved. But Chris Jones is the only alpha pass rusher they have. And then you look at their pressure percentage off play action for the season, much less the Green Bay game, and it's been abysmal. Now, some of this might get better because they probably will add Nick Bolton back into the fold. It'll be an interesting storyline in the run-up to the game. But losing a starting safety and knowing their turnover margin has already been struggling. I think they're averaging like less than, just around one, less than like 1.25 turnovers per game on defense. There's a lot of meat on the bone here for a Bills team, desperate for a win to keep their postseason hopes alive. And so with that, I bring you to our keys to victory. Bigger the keychain, more powerful the man. The first one is going to be the way our secondary and Sean McDermott chooses to approach the Kelsey issue. Travis Kelsey is still their alpha. He is the best receiving threat that they have. He may be their best offensive player outside of Patrick Mahomes. Nothing would make me happier than watching them shadow Kelsey with Rasul Douglas in this game, given the weakness of the rest of their wide receiver core. I would trust a Christian Benford out on the edge against a Marvez Veldez scantling. I would trust, fuck, 
you know, obviously you don't want to take Teron Johnson off the field. He's one of your best defensive backs. You know, maybe he can do a decent job against Kelsey, but I'd like to see them match somebody with a little physicality and grit to their game. A little sandpaper, as they would call it in hockey. Throw him at this tight end problem. See what we can do. Because I remember those games, like I remember Matt Milano not being in the game when we played Kansas City a few years ago. And they did a tandem of Teron Johnson and Saran Neal. And they beat up Travis Kelsey pretty good in that game. They were real physical with him. They didn't let him get much in terms of production. I feel like you could do that again here without exposing yourself too much on the outside. At the same time, if they chose not to, and they chose to match safeties, you have options, right? The return of Taylor Rapp, even Kyrie Lam. You've got athletic bodies that you can throw at what is the skill problem of the Kansas City Chiefs. I like the mix and match that we're going to be able to do here on Sunday. I think that this benefits the Bills. And I look at this and I say to myself, you've got Taylor Rapp, who you can put in the box against a tight end off the line of scrimmage. As long as he's got safety help, I trust him to be very impactful against Travis Kelsey, keeping his production to a minimum, which, let's face it, a minimum might be 60, 70 yards. As long as he's not in the end zone, that's as long as he's not in the end zone and he's not breaking 20, 30-yard plays, he's not getting yards after the catch. That's all I care about. If they want to reduce Travis Kelsey to a chain mover, let them make that decision. Let's force them into it. That would give you outside corners of Douglas. You could take Douglas and Benford and roll them against White and Scantling. I like our chances there. I really like the makeup of this. And for the first time in a long time, I can say I genuinely enjoy, like I like the matchup of our skill positions or defend defensive back positions against their skill players, right? They have what it takes to do the thing where you can match up one-on-one and you can play zone. You, you can do a lot of things. You can play, you know, man, go, you can play. I, I don't know. You just, you have a lot of options at your disposal in terms of what, <clears throat> sorry, I'm, I'm into the whiskey now. You've got a lot of options as far as how you want to mix and match your coverages, who you want to roll coverages to situationally. And even if there's an injury, you're so deep right now compared to where they are on offense that I think you have the right type of physical makeup to match up with whatever threat these guys are going to pose to you situationally. I'm really, I don't know. I'm just excited to see if Sean McDermott you know, I've throughout his career, one of the things that made him good as a defensive coordinator and as a head coach, as a former defensive back, was his ability to get the most out of other defensive backs. I think it speaks a lot to the success of Trey White, Christian Benford, you know, the fact that Dane Jackson being what he was, the fact that they're able to find these late round picks that come in and mid round picks that come in and flourish in the system. You have a coach who understands DBs. Please come in here and call a competent fucking game using these DBs that you hand chosen over the years in a game that we have to have. On the offensive side of the ball, play action passing. You're facing a team that wasn't great up the middle in coverage all season and now might be without its best coverage linebacker. But that almost seems like it's too easy. Their pass rush also struggles when you call play action passing because they all have to bear down and at least be responsible for this. If the coverage of the Chiefs were to fail to materialize, right? If the mix of play action passes doesn't like take the eyes of the defensive lineman and doesn't stall the pass rush, that's fine. Allen, which, you know, Justin Reed learned the hard way last season. Is the or Jordan Reed is the most athletic runner on the field at all times. Your team has a running back. Josh Allen's better than that running back, and he can make teams who choose to blitz him recklessly make him pay with his legs. And they finally unleashed Josh Allen to play that style of football. I think keeping them off balance with a heavy dose of play action. I, I don't. If for as much as people bitch about the play action on a shotgun, a couple draws might not hurt you in this game. Because you need to show them that you're willing to run out of that formation 
if you want to set their defensive ends up for what you can do later in the game. If you want to hold their linebackers for some of the passes you're going to need to throw into the middle of the field to Kincaid and Knox later in the game. There's a lot of things you're going to have to do if you want chunk yardage and if you want to make splash plays against this defense because their safeties are still pretty good. With Brian Cook going down, maybe that changes, but by and large, they have been very good in coverage and everything I read says that they think this backup who's going to play for Cook, he's pretty good. So this is where you're going to have to hit him. It's going to be between the hashes or up the seams. It's going to take some play action to open that window up. It's going to. But I think we have an offense to do it. I think Cook has shown that he can run well enough between the tackles and bounce things outside with his athleticism that if you fake the handoff to him, a linebacker has no choice but to respect it. I think that their linebackers in particular are going to be coached not to give that up because James Cook is fast enough that he'll make you pay. So right here is a way, an easy way for the Bills offense to stand schedule. And it's like, here's a feather in your cap, an ace in your, an ace up your sleeve, if you will. I also want to see them attack the right tackle with Floyd. The Bills really fucked up the Eagles offense in that first half of the game. And a lot of it, I, I have to think, is because of the job our defensive ends were doing while we rushed with just four guys. Both Rousseau and Floyd really gave it to that backup right tackle. The Eagles had no choice but to slide in. Their all-pro talent comes off the field, decides he can't play. And just an hour or two before kickoff, they got to go in with a game plan that they already developed thinking they were going to have good protection on that side. And it just did not exist. The Chiefs didn't have all-pro talent at right tackle to begin with. And now right tackle Donovan Smith who's probably best known for his false start get-off that finally got flagged during week one, and now that guy has sucked ass the entire season. Like, it ruined his entire approach to football, which I couldn't be happier about. He hasn't been good all season. Without him, they've had to activate a backup. The guy's gotten a lot of positive buzz. I don't doubt that he's earned some of it, but the thing is that he's known for being a better run blocker than he is a pass protector. In a game like this, I'd like to think that as I said earlier, you'd rather have a guy who can hold an edge at right tackle than a guy who's going to help Isaiah Pacheco have a, a, a career day. Because realistically, Isaiah Pacheco having a monster day doesn't win you a football game, as the Chiefs just learned. So if he has to start, I want to see Floyd getting a lot of snaps at that right tackle position and him and Rousseau really working this guy to death. And on offense... As I just kind of alluded to, you have to attack the linebacker corpse with Dalton Kincaid. But for the love of God, McDermott, hear me now, bald guy, Clapasaurus Rex, I swear to God, I'll come unglued and I'll take my Christmas tree and I'll throw it out into the fucking street. Dalton Kincaid currently leads all pass catchers in the NFL, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, all pass catchers in the NFL who qualify with more than 30, 30 targets. 87.5% completion percentage. Look at Dawson Knox. I made the joke before. Dawson Knox is like a transformer, except instead of being cool like a fire truck or a fucking bulldozer, his hands just turn into frying pans. That's it. Everything just closed. They're just Teflon, baby. What I do not want to see out of this football team is that they get Dawson Knox back And they say to themselves, you know what we need to do? We need to marginalize Dalton Kincaid because Knox needs snaps. Knox needs targets. Knox needs to be prioritized. Now, I'm hoping that Joe Brady is smarter than this. I'm hoping that he's learned something from watching his predecessor get fired for essentially doing the same thing I'm talking about. Please, for the love of Christ, do not put Dawson Dawson Knox should be taking Quentin Morris's snaps. Should be, in theory. You know, he's not a terrible run blocker. He's an athlete who can get out in space. Maybe if you can get actually get a lead in this fucking game, his presence might help you get some 12 personnel work that you can run the ball, short area passing, eat clock, do all the things that you're going to need to do to assault away a playoff game if and when you can make it. But today is not the fucking day, right? Do not demote 
one of the smoothest skill players we have besides Diggs for this game because you feel like Knox needs snaps. I'll flip out. I'll lose it. I'll go buy a Grinch outfit and just start stealing Christmas from everyone in my fucking neighborhood if I see this happen. In fact, I'll go to McDermott's neighborhood. I'll steal his tree. Had it. <laughs> he, he won't be here. Did I, I say that in jest. I know they'll never fire him, but it's like <laughs> he maybe he won't, if they lose this game, maybe he won't because of that, especially if they lost this game and they marginalize Kincaid in the process. I'd threaten to steal his tree, but maybe he won't be here long enough for that. Who knows? I don't know. Guys, usually this is where we do our thoughts and predictions. Here's what I predict. I predict a lot of beers. You know, I, I keep thinking about that Lord of the Rings Black Gate speech. You, know, you can YouTube it if you want, but you know, all I think of is, this is an hour of empty bottles and damaged livers when the age of the bills comes crashing down. <laughs> This team had better stand and fight. They better come into this with a cohesive game plan. A lot of film study. Sean McDermott better have his big boy pants on when it comes time to make aggressive decisions, whether it be down in distance. You know, you've, you've got the ball and it's fourth and one at your own 40. Okay. Just know that you punt. That's a decision. When you choose to burn timeouts unnecessarily on nonsense that may not actually help you win a football game, that's a choice. You're making that. What I think we need more than anything is Sean McDermott to find the aggressiveness that got him this job. Because if he doesn't, this season and maybe his ironclad grasp on that both kind of hang in the balance. I don't know. It's going to be fun one way or the other. But for tonight, I got, to, I got to get the hell out of here, guys. I'm Drew Gear, and this has been your Week 14 Preview. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.